What's up, everybody? Welcome to my review of AEW Blood and Guts. I was live in person, so this isn't a recap of the show that I watched on TV. I was there in the Little Caesars Arena in Detroit. Um, I'm going to try to just kind of go right from you know the beginning up through the end and try to avoid spoilers for rampage but uh, i might jump around a little bit here so just relax sit back hang in there with me uh, i'm just gonna kind of walk you through i drove to detroit earlier in the day and uh got some pizza at some little hole in the wall place i got it was like a it was like a breakfast pizza. It was still, it had cheese and sauce and everything, but it was like, had like fried eggs on top of it and bacon and ham and it was fucking phenomenal. I went with a buddy and he had tried it there before and really loved it. So that was the start of my day. I got to see a little bit of Detroit. Haven't been there in a while. Um, honestly, Detroit's always kind of just been a giant shithole, but uh, it looks like they're making strides to improve a little bit i'm not saying that they've turned around and that it's a, it's a great city again necessarily but um you can tell that they're putting some work into the city you know they're trying to uh upgrade things and clean things up a little bit and it's a little bit more artsy than it used to be so uh that was kind of cool to see so it was a good experience of just being in detroit it was a beautiful day uh, it wasn't hot and sweaty for a summer day. Us fat kids melt out in the heat, so I was worried it was going to be miserable all day. <clears throat> Beautiful day to be out and about. Beautiful day for a show. Not too hot, not too cold. Um, we got to the arena, uh, parked across the street, and then just kind of walked across the street to wait in line. Uh, somebody came up and tried to sell me a little American flag pin. And then uh, I told him, you know, I don't have cash on me or anything. And he's just like, well, what about that bracelet? And I had a couple bracelets on my wrist and a watch on the other wrist. So I started to put that in my pocket. You know, it's like, uh, no, I kind of like my bracelet. He's like, why not? Why not? He's trying to hustle me. And he's just like, oh, you're Captain America hat. He's like, ain't that old? He's just fucking with me. So it was a little creepy, but I gave him a little fifth, fist bump ski. And he moved along and hustled other people. So... Um, got yelled at by some storekeeper because we were like lined up around the front of his store. So he kind of came on. He's like, "Hey, I know you guys are in line, but can you get the fuck out of my way?" He didn't say it like that. That's what he meant. <clears throat> I imagine it in my brain. He came out with the broom and just kind of shoot everybody with his broom. Um, but then we got to the arena, and the outside of the arena, it's a, Little Caesars Arena is a fairly new arena, I've never been there before, um, it had this nice little, like, courtyard outside with, like, a big screen, and, uh, just, like, the outside of the building looked pretty cool going in, there wasn't that long of a wait to get in, uh, the line was long, but it moved, you know, as soon as the doors were supposed to open, they did, and they were able to just kind of, really filter people through really quick. It took a little longer. Last time I went to a live wrestling show was uh, last summer for CM Punk's return at the United Center. And, uh, you know, that one I felt was a very smooth process. I, I, there wasn't even a line at all. I literally was able to just walk into the building. Um, 
But, you know, maybe I got here a little bit earlier for this one. Who knows? Um, walking in, the building, nice and air-conditioned because uh, the arena in my hometown locally is not. So if you go in the summertime, it can get sweaty up in there. Um, very well air-conditioned. Beautiful arena. Massive arena. Little Caesars Arena is a big arena. It's on the bigger side. One of the bigger arenas that AEW has ran. Um you know, notwithstanding, like, the Arthur Ashe Stadium and that kind of thing, like, just from an arena. It's smaller than the United Center, but bigger than probably most of the other ones. Um, they said they had 13,000 in there. 13,000-ish <clears throat> was the uh, going amount. Meltzer says it wasn't quite that. I looked every bit of it, to be honest with you. Like, it was, there was a lot of people. The vibe was hype. Again, I noticed a difference from, like, when I go to WWE shows, uh, it's often a lot of little kids, and it's kind of sterile now. It doesn't have that rowdy rock concert feel that it used to. Now it's more of, like, ice capades. It really is. I don't know. Uh, you know, maybe some of you that have gone to, like, a WrestleMania where it's all the rabid, crazy fans, or even a pay-per-view show or whatever, but if you just go to, like, your local hometown fucking wrestling show on like a, a monday or a, or a friday or even like a house show uh it's a lot of kids and it's a lot of just you're going it's like it's similar to when like i would take my kids to like see monster trucks and stuff like that that's what wwe felt like um not always you know i remember going to shows back in the day that were a lot more like this aew crowd is um but certainly modern day wwe is like going to fucking marvel on ice or something you know it's um very sterilized but this was a rowdy crowd not like rowdy like ecw where you think they're gonna just tear the place apart but these were diehard fans these were uh hardcore fans that knew their shit <clears throat> you know you can just hear the chatter and lines as people are talking and you hear people discussing mjf you know what's what's really going on with mjf where's he at um chatter behind me in the seats and stuff like there was uh, a part where thunder rosa came out and of course that would have been on uh rampage because you're probably already watched dynamite and go hey wait a minute thunder rosa wasn't on there uh but when she came out <clears throat> the crowd was like went nuts for her i'm jumping ahead of course but just to finish my point you know there's people behind me that are like oh i heard that she's difficult to work with or whatever you know it's like it just seemed like a very smart crowd, and they were there for it. You know, this wasn't like, a, oh, I guess I'm going to go see. These people were like, fuck yeah, AEW, let's go. Let's fucking go. Right? A little Tony Khan energy. <clears throat> so we got in. We took our seats, <clears throat> and uh, the wait wasn't that long. Like, they said the doors would be at 6, and the doors were at 6. Uh, they said the show would start at 7, and I pull up my phone. It was maybe... Maybe 7.05 that the first Dark Elevation match was actually hitting. So, I mean, they were right on it. Um, the crowd was still filling in. So, if you watch, like, the YouTube Darks, you'll see, like, it's very spotty. They start that show right at 7, you know. And theoretically, if they open the doors at 6, show starts at 7. Uh, theoretically, the arena should be full, but it's not. There's a lot of latecomers, <clears throat> and I was paying close attention to that. I was sitting up in the, uh, kind of in the top top, not the tippity top, but like the, in between the tippity top and the middle, and, um, it was a perfect view 
we had like front row so we were like there was nobody in front of us that we had to like their fat heads weren't in our way or anything like that and then there was a significant drop off you know we were right at a ledge with like a glass railing and uh, we were able we were sitting damn near right across from the entrance way like uh, you know if you shoot to the other side of the arena you know, so we had almost, we were, we were basically in the middle, a little offset to the left. It was just, it was a perfect view. Uh, the only thing I couldn't see is like the speaker stacks um, from like the big screens that hang from the beginning, the, the top of the arena. The big screen in the speaker stacks did kind of block my view of the stage a little bit. So like when Tony Schiavone was out there doing an interview with Christian, for example, I couldn't see Christian. And they didn't uh, put it up on the big screen either. So that was kind of a complaint. And furthermore, on the complaints, I'll just get these out of the way, I guess. Because like I said, I'm going to be all over the place a little bit, you know. I'm going to try to go in order, but as things come to me, I'm just going to say it. So um, there was, <clears throat> at least for where I was sitting, it didn't appear to be a problem anywhere else in the building. Because people were reacting to the promo and stuff. Um, but from where I was sitting, the speakers just sounded muff muffled. So it sounded like listening to Charlie Brown's parents talk. You know, I heard Christian, but it was wah, 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 and then the crowd would go, boo. I was like, oh, he must have said something about Jungle Boy's dad again. Um, so I didn't get to hear any of that, but <clears throat> that was minor because I think that was the only real promo. You know, they had a couple pre tapes on the screen. Um, you know, Young Bucks announcing a match that would happen later that night on Rampage with a couple of Japanese guys. And, uh, yeah, so uh, the show started. They ran through the dark matches. The dark matches, they move quick. Uh, I don't know if you've been to an AEW show live before, but they kind of, they do them. You know, Roberts gets in there. He, he warms up the crowd a little bit. He's a very good MC. I said this in my CM Punk review, too, and I'm going to double down on it here because... I don't see this as much at a WWE show where the ring announcer is just kind of there to announce the information. Justin Roberts is very much like a host. He's an MC. You know, how are you guys doing tonight? Oh, hey, it's this person's birthday uh, out in the crowd. Everybody say happy birthday. Like, he's very engaging with the crowd. He's he's tremendous. He's a great guy. I couldn't hear a goddamn word he said, but he was interacting with the crowd the entire night, like in between matches and stuff like that. Um, you know, he was always very good at letting us know when we're going to be going live on TV. Okay, count it down. You know, so we can all get hyped and stuff like that. He's great, as always. But they usually, they'll have the jobber come down, no entrance or anything. They just kind of sneak their way uh, along the side of the ramp. They don't even <laughs> come down the ramp. They're like, just sneak their way to the ring like the tech crew or something. And then the squash matches, they just, you know, whoever comes out, wrestles their match against the jobber, and then they beat the jobber, and then they, as soon as they get it out of the ring... Um, you know, when the music stops, they got the next, Roberts is ready to go at the very next match. Like, there's no wait time. So they were pounding those out. Honestly, don't even remember what, what I saw on the dark match. Um, trying to remember now, and I'm just completely blanking on it. So it wasn't important, you know. So there's that, at least. Nothing significant or important happened on the dark matches. Um, <clears throat> actually, there was one where, 
Jeez, I want, I wish I could remember who he is. It's going to come to me, but somebody was, oh, okay. It was Anthony Agogo. That's what I was, I did. I knew I, there was something from the dark matches I wanted to. Anthony Agogo uh, is back. I don't know. Has he been back? I don't, I don't really watch dark or elevation at all. So you can tell me, um, but he looks different than he did. He looks uh, might, like he might've got, you know, just a new coat of paint, so to speak. And uh, he, he was out there beating the shit out of some jobber. And, and at first, the crowd reacted to Anthony a little bit. You know, they were like, oh, okay, you know, good to see this guy. And then they started cheering for the jobber. There was a, there was a legit, let's go jobber, clap, 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 let's go jobber. And I think when that happened, I think a go-go was probably going to go for his finish sooner, but I think there was... They, they improvised because right as that chant was happening, there was a go-go had him in a hold or something, and he let the let the jobber kind of break his way out and give a little fight back, but he was quickly cut off again, and I don't think we got the full appreciation of that. It would have been nice. I felt like the crowd was waiting for this guy to, like, hit the ropes and bust out a few clotheslines and maybe have, like, a two-count just to, like, and then a, a go-go could have just murdered him. But I think it, maybe that's, uh, you know, maybe they were on a time crunch because I know AEW is not, like, their matches aren't scripted strictly, you know, so it's not like, do this. Um, but unless they were on a major time crunch and they were just worried about that, it, maybe it was just that a go-go is still green. But I think that would have been a perfect spot to improvise a little, uh, a little shine spot for the for the baby face, a little comeback ski for the jobber, just a little bit. Like I said, they did a little bit. They let him break out of the hold, but he was quickly cut off again, like almost immediately. So they, I felt like the crowd was kind of swelling for it, and then it was like they teased it, but they didn't fully give it to us. And I think all we would have needed was this jobber to like come back, break out of the hold. You know, hit the ropes, hit a couple clotheslines or something, go for a pin, drop kick, something like that. You know, something flashy and then get cut off. And I think the crowd would have got a good pop out of that. But uh, that was the only thing, and that was amusing. The crowd, by the way, um, I guess we can just get into this now. The crowd was hot. Um, I have not watched Dynamite back yet on, you know, the TV taping, so I don't know... I haven't seen it or heard it, but I did uh, watch a couple recaps on YouTube, you know, a couple of the reviews um, that said that the crowd was just fire for this. So I'm glad that that came through to the TV because they were. The crowd was nutty. Uh, it wasn't as wild as like last year's CM Punk show at the United Center, um, but obviously, you know, that was the biggest reaction in the history of wrestling, uh, really. Uh, so... But the, the the Detroit crowd was on fire. They were lit. They were ready for it since we were in line. Um, nobody was bored. Nobody was sitting on their hands. Nobody was half-assing anything. The crowd, even even late into the night, I mean, Rampage went all the way up to midnight. And then Tony Khan comes out. I'll, I'll address all of that later. But, I mean, the crowd stayed for it the whole night. And you could tell that they were losing their energy, and, and there is an exact match that I'll get to that I, that that happened at. But they, I mean, they gave it their damnedest. They were there all night for it. Nothing, nothing shit the bed with the crowd. Everybody just had a great time. It seemed everybody was having fun the whole time. Everybody was fire. Everybody was reacting to everything. The chants were funny as hell. Like the "Let's Go Jobber" chant. I don't. I've, I I do not believe I've ever. 
I can't even recall ever hearing that to begin with. I'm sure it's happened, if not on TV at an indie show somewhere or something. Um, but just the crowd had a lot of really smart, witty chants like that throughout the night. And even like when, and I didn't even remember this, and I shame myself, you know, admonishment, admonish me for this. I shame myself for not even remembering that uh, Claudio and Jake Hager were a tag team. So when they were doing, when they, they had the face-to-face in the, you, even my buddy who, who went with me, who's not even as big of a wrestling fan as me, remembered the, the uh, Real Americans tag team. And the crowd was, had that, they, the crowd popped huge for it. And I didn't get it at first. And then when my buddy told me, and then right after he told me, that's when like the We The People's chant, We The People chant came out. And it just, the crowd was on it, man. You know, uh, the crowd was lit all night long. It was not a legit sellout. Um, oh, if I had to put a percentage on it, I'd say it was 85, 90% full. Um, it wasn't so the way the arena is set up, like the very, very top ring, the very top ring was full other than like on the hard camera, not the, like the side, not where the hard camera's facing, but the side of the hard camera where all the tech people sit and work from and stuff, that side that they never show on camera. That, the very top ring was tarped off. It was only that side. So if you're looking, even though the arena's a circle, if you think of it as four sides of the ring, so to speak, that side, just the very top ring was tarped off. So that was... Uh, not intended for any, and then um, in the middle, there's a middle ring that looks like those are like VIPs, like sweet boxes or something. All of them have their own little like room, like a little kitchen with like a fridge and a bar and and that kind of thing. And then they have like tables that they can view. None of those were sold. I don't know if those seats were just not available because those are you know, like a, not, they weren't like the sky box. Cause those were up at the tippy top, you know, but they were certainly some sort of VIP, um, thing. And I've never, I've been to a lot of arenas. This is a beautiful arena. This is a very, very nice arena. And you would expect, I guess, because it's freshly made. Um, but it's, it's just so well built and clean and designed and just everything was just beautiful about it. And I've never even seen, I've seen a lot of those arenas that have those boxes, but they're just a couple. Um, this one had it all the way around. So there was probably shit. I mean, there had to be at least 20 of them, if not more 30, you know? Um, so none of those were sold. And then the only other part that was, there was a strip right up the middle. So, like, when you're looking out into the middle of the crowd and you see, you know, just fans and you see the stair sets, you know, there's usually stairs that go up each side and there's the middle row, like, dead center of the ring. The middle row on, again, the side that you can't see on the hard camera where all the tech crew are, that entire middle row going up was completely empty. Um, so there was a good slab of seats that weren't there. But... In totality, and they wouldn't have shown that on camera, so you wouldn't have seen that. But in totality, like, I mean, it was a big arena. And everybody, I mean, there. if you told me there were 13,000 people there, I would totally believe it, you know. Um, and they were just, just a great crowd, a rowdy crowd, 
a fun crowd, an excited crowd, a smart crowd. They were happy to be at an AEW show. Um, there's intangibles, you know, before I get to the show itself, you know, I, I'm just, I'm, I like to build the aesthetic and stuff. AEW has some intangibles that WWE doesn't, you know, I talked earlier about WWE shows feel different than like, you feel like you're going to a rock concert in a way to an AEW show compared to like a, like a monster truck show, you know, uh, or a Disney on Ice show with WWE. There's different vibes to it. And like I said, I'm sure that's different for pay-per-views. I'm sure WWE does get really rowdy, hot crowds sometimes. But this was just fun and refreshing. And it's one of those intangibles where, you know, people criticize AEW. Uh, you know, they don't have anywhere near the ratings that WWE. You know, WWE sitting around $2 million. AEW's been struggling to top a million lately, but... The people that love AEW love AEW because they were there for it. And not only were they there for it, but like I said, so I got a buddy who's who's a, kind of a casual fan. That's who I went with, more of an older school fan. So he was doing a lot of, who's that guy? Who's that guy? Who's that guy? You know what I mean? And like just listening to just not only the reactions of the crowd, the pops that were going on, but like listening just to conversations happening all around me in the crowd Everybody knew who everybody was. This was a smart crowd that was there for AEW the whole time. They cheered for everybody that they were supposed to cheer for. They booed everybody that they were supposed to boo for. The uh, show kicked off uh, live. The fireworks, the pyro show was a nice uh, welcome because it, the WWE hasn't been doing that lately. And it was just, it was a cool pyro, pyro show, you know. Um, start off with the Orange Cassidy versus, uh, did he wrestle? Was it Ethan Page on this one? Yeah, it was Ethan Page. So Orange Cassidy, Ethan Page, and um, Cassidy, man. People criticize him like your Cornets and shit and your Cornet followers, the cult of Cornet, if you will. People, oh, pockets, oh, he's so fake and phony and blah, blah, blah. He gives sport a bad name. You know, if you listen to, like, Meltzer and stuff, you know, the reason why Tony Khan pushes him so much is because he's a giant draw for AEW, uh, it both, you know, uh, across the board. When you're looking at the minute-by-minute, so the ratings, when you're looking at merch sales, all of that, Orange Cassidy was over as fuck out there the crowd went insane for cassidy and not only that but this match was an incredible match this was a very fun very cool match a lot of good spots um there was and i'll tell you this and this this speaks to the quality of orange cassidy if nothing else does the crowd reacted he kept building up this power slam the whole match, you know, he'd do, he was doing this gimmick, you know, like, oh, I'm gonna get him over my head and slam him down, you know, he, he, he did that at least twice, I think, you know, and he attempted it, and he couldn't get it, and he attempted it, and he couldn't get it, and then whatever the sequence was, he had the orange punch and stuff like that, and then he got that fucking slam in, and the crowd ate that shit up. 
How many wrestlers can get over a power slam? CM Punk's been able to do it. He's He does the power slam thing, too, and he looks at the crowd and smiles, and they want another one. So he's been able to do it. I firmly believe at this point, you know, when you look at the Rock's people's elbow and shit like that, you can get any move over. Anything. No matter how lame and weak sauce it may be in anybody else's match, if you build it right, whether it's your finisher and it's just part of your shtick, or or like the Rock's people's elbow, right? Or, in, in this case, just the way that Orange Cassidy worked this match. He worked towards that power slam, and when he got it, he could have did it was it was the same reaction he would have got from any kind of 750 flippy floppy canrana hornaday off the top rope you know what i'm saying like fucking amazing like the crowd ate up that entire match they went out there and they worked their asses off to warm up the crowd and they they did great <clears throat> christian did his promo and, uh, like I said, I couldn't hear a word he was saying. Um, I, I could hear the crowd ooing, though. Like, oh, he didn't just say that. So I know he was... <coughs> Excuse me. I know that he must have been dropping some bombs like he did with uh, Jungle Boy's dad the week before. You know, he's just going that route. Christian's a great heel. He got major heat there. He really did. Even from when his music played... And I don't know if this is just because the crowd is good at playing along with the story or if Christian is just legit getting himself the fuck over as a bad guy right now. But, like, when his music got started playing and he got announced, he got a huge boo from the crowd, like a big-time boo. And while he was talking, he was getting booed. And I think he got the shut the fuck up chant. The shut the fuck up. That happened, uh, yeah, that happened during his promo. Um, he got that really loud. At least it was really loud where I was at. Everybody, you know, it sounded like the arena was just fucking shitting all over Christian, which was amazing. Then they brought out the Luchasaurus, and, uh, he's got, like, the darker imagery now. Um, it wasn't a black mask. I keep saying it. Everybody's saying it's a black mask. It's, like, a very dark green. Very dark green. So, I mean, you wouldn't be mistaken if you called it black but it, it was um you know from like the big screens in the arena you know like a giant fucking wall of screen you could tell that it was kind of like a dark green still um i don't think the crowd knew exactly what to think of this because i don't think luchasaurus is that old he used to get big pops like in the tag team matches and stuff so i think I can't say I don't think he's over, but maybe this heel thing, people don't know what to think about it. They botched this whole heel turn for Luchasaurus, by the way. I don't think it's been addressed, at least on anything that I've seen. I don't know that it's been addressed as to why Luchasaurus is suddenly just, like, hanging out with Christian. But, excuse me. But I would have, what I would have done is I would have taken, I would have, I love the Christian heel turn. And I love what he's doing. So I can't, 
in hindsight, like, they're doing good with it, but this is, I don't know if this is just the amateur booking of Tony Khan or just, I don't know, but here's how you should have did this, okay? What you should have did, you should have took after, you, Jungle Boy should have lost the belts. He should have taken a pin, and then at that point, Luchasaurus should have turned on him. Not Christian. Maybe Christian could have then came in the ring and been like, hey, what are you doing? What are you doing? Don't do that. And then got that little creepy little bastard smile on his face and uh, <laughs> and, and, and joined in. You know, maybe give, threw a couple boots to, to uh, Jungle Boy and then like, you know, taking Lucha's side as his manager and maybe like the corrupting force behind corrupting them. And they're, they're still doing that same thing, but they did it in the wrong way. What I would have had, I would have had Luchasaurus just destroy Jungle Boy. Like, I mean, beat him down to where you got to put him off TV for like a month, right? <clears throat> beat him down, and then he should have peeled that mask off and dropped it right down next to Jungle Boy. And then the camera could have panned down and caught that view of Jungle Boy, maybe bloodied up, maybe not, but just laying unconscious with the mask laying on the ground next to him, and now a new fully healed Luchasaurus with the mask off as his handsome self that he is, with Christian as his heel corrupting manager. That's how I would have did it. I think that they're essentially going the same direction, though, they just went about it a different way than I would have. But I felt I feel like that would have had more effect. I had always said that because I was kind of bored with the uh, Jurassic Express team to begin with. I like Jungle Boy a lot, but Luchasaurus kind of bores me to tears. So I'd kind of in my own head been pitching for a while like, yeah, Luchasaurus needs to turn on Jungle Boy. And they could have a good feud, but it needed to be like a blood feud. It needed to be like when Sean turned on Marty course it wouldn't have ever had that effect we're still talking about that today and they were megastars but like just the the emotional effect of oh my god oh he did that oh you know like those moments are few and far between in wrestling and i feel like they were halfway there with the christian thing but they didn't quite nail it but um Oh, I'm trying to remember. Oh, there was another match. Yes. Like, oh, I'm so glad I didn't forget about this one. Danhausen. I was excited to see Danhausen um, was going to be on the show, like physically on the show. I'm a big Danhausen mark, as most of you, I think, are. Just from, you know, well before he was in AEW, just from discovering his work on YouTube, basically. He's a fun personality so i was very excited to see him live and in person i would have been happy just to see him physically but to actually get a match with him especially because he's just now coming off injured it, it felt like a treat to get to see dan and wrestle um but dude let me tell you i don't know what i was i think i was expecting i would have expected hook and then maybe somebody else you know um but i did it did pop in my head that it could be ftr just because they weren't booked on the show um, but when FTR's music hit, bro, the crowd went insane. They are the fuck over. They are mega over. 
At least in Detroit, dude, those guys got the pop. Danhausen got a huge pop. FTR got a huger pop. Like, man, the crowd was just, they were all in on that shit, you know? And uh, I was super excited because I'm a, I'm a mega FTR fan as well. And I would have been disappointed had I not gotten to see FTR in action. You know, it's one of those things, and you do that with WWE too. I think there's a couple guys that have eluded me over the years in WWE. Um, but as a fan that goes to live shows, uh, you kind of, at least for me, I don't necessarily, one, because I can't afford it, but two, like I don't seek to go to every show that I can anytime it comes around. If I'm able to, I will, but sometimes I miss them and stuff. But for me, what I want out of going to a live show is I want to, I guess, be able to look back and say, I saw that guy live, I saw that guy live, I saw that guy live. I want to be able to see, say that I saw basically everybody that's a favorite of mine live and in person. Um, <clears throat> Cody's one who eluded me. Uh, he was not at the, uh, the um, United Center show where CM Punk made his return. He was not on that show at all in any way, shape, or form. Never came out. He was still with AEW at that time. Um, and now, you know, obviously he's gone. So I, I would have to go to a WWE show to see him. And I'd have to wait nine months to do that because he's injured. I think I might have saw him as Stardust or... No, no, no. I did see Cody Rhodes. I went to the Royal Rumble that Randy Orton won. And it was like, uh, at the end, it was like Legacy. And uh, it was Randy and Cody and Ted DiBiase all in the ring against like one other guy. I don't remember who that other guy. It was one baby face against those three heels. And, you know, and then Cody and Ted got eliminated. And then Randy finally got the win. Um, so it was one of those deals. So, yeah, I've, I've seen Cody live, but not... Cody Rhodes, you know, not the new Cody, not this presentation. So he's one that's eluded me, but I always strive to hopefully see everybody live. I'll tell you, you know, my buddy was really excited to see CM Punk. He's a big punk mark and he's a casual fan, so he doesn't watch it on the regular. So he doesn't know who a lot of these got. He doesn't have a lot of other selling points on the roster to work with. And, you know, Brian Danielson, gone. Adam Cole, gone. So guys that he would know. <laughs> they just weren't on the show at all in any capacity. I was highly disappointed Punk wasn't there. He's my favorite. I make no bones about that. If you were a regular listener or watcher of my podcast, the Pro Wrestling Podcast podcast, um, you'll know that Punk's my dude. But, uh, you know, so it sucked that he wasn't there. But I get it. And they did the best they could. There was no MJF. There was no Britt Baker. Um, like I said, no Adam Cole, obviously no Kyle O'Reilly or Bobby Fish. I think both of them are out injured. Bobby, I think is kayfabe, but Kyle's hurt for real. It was just slim pickings. Um, they did on Rampage really make up for the guys that weren't on Dynamite. So I know if you're thinking like, well, yeah, the Blood and Guts match took up an hour of the show, so there wasn't really many people on Dynamite. They certainly made up for that on Rampage, and I will try to address that without spoiling anything, though nobody really cares about Rampage, right? So, uh, yeah, huge pops all around for FTR and Danhausen. Everything they did in the ring, the crowd was just... They were in it the whole time. Nobody got bored. There were no hands, sit, nobody sitting on their hands. There was nobody kind of like, meh, okay, this is meh. 
None of that, dude. None of that for the Ethan Page Orange Cassidy match. Of course, that was the opener of Dynamite. You know, like there were dark matches, but that was the opener. And the dark matches don't get that exciting either. You know, they don't have that back and forth. They're usually squash matches with one like main event that's like jobbers that you know versus jobbers that you know. Um, uh, yeah, it was like. Uh, Dark Order versus the family, you know, QT, and it was, who cares, right? So, um, but yeah, FTR over as fuck in Detroit. Nothing more, much more I can say about that, just that the match was, was hot the whole time, you know, the crowd was there for it, they were there for every hot tag, they were there for the whole situation, um, Danhausen gets the win there. Young Bucks came on, uh, I couldn't hear anything that they had to say. Other than uh, it sounded like they had said that they were going to have a match. I heard them say this week on Rampage. So I was like, okay, we're going to see where Young Bucks wrestle tonight. Dope. Because they taped Rampage after Dynamite. And then they went right into Blood and Guts. And just the spectacle of this. I should address this. I haven't mentioned this yet. But the two rings... The double cage, double rings, the, the, the spectacle of this, I that's another thing. You know how I said, like, I like to be able to look back and say, oh, I saw this live and I saw that live. Um, you know, one thing I haven't seen is a WrestleMania, for example. I really want to. Um, but seeing, like, these gimmick matches, you know, I've gotten to see an Elimination Chamber live before. I've seen a Royal Rumble live before. I have seen a steel cage match. It was a house show steel cage. It was John Cena versus Kane in a steel cage. Um, but, you know, so I've seen some of these matches before, but there's an element of, like, you you feel like you're watching something special when you see that because you don't see it every day. It happens, this is only the second Blood and Guts ever in AEW history. It looks like it'll probably be a year yearly thing, but really, like, there have, even in the including NXT and even WCW and NWA, there have not been very many War Games matches in the history of professional wrestling. This is still a very unique thing. And just the, seeing the production setup of it, seeing the two rings, seeing the cage hanging from the... And I always get, like, paranoid when I see that. I see the, the cage, and I'm always like, oh, is the arena going to hold that cage? What if it falls? Ah! Um, I will say, you know, spoiler alert, the, the, the Sammy going off the top, I will say that that table, I spotted that from the second I sat down, I came in and I'm just looking at the arena and shit, like, you know, checking everything out and I lean over, I saw that and I leaned over to my buddy and I was just like, Hey, watch that table tonight. I was like, that table doesn't look right. Cause it was wider. It was like a double table. That's where the, the, like the announcer or the timekeeper sits. So that was where you would see an AEW table, but it was wider. It looked like it was at the very least, it was two tables. Um, but I would imagine because of the height of the dive that they probably had a crash pad underneath it too. Um, but I spotted it from a mile away. I didn't hear anybody else talking about it. Uh, until actually once they were up on top of the cage, I heard somebody from behind me go, oh, look at those tables down there. Those are those, those tables. That doesn't look right. You know, so somebody else noticed it, but it wasn't until they were already on top of the cage and they were like kind of expecting somebody to go off or, or hoping or waiting with bated breath to see if that would happen. 
Um, the Jericho Jericho came out, and my God, is Jericho over too? Like the crowd was there for everything, man. Like Jericho, I was excited. I have not. I, I I'm sure I've seen Jericho at some point in WWE, though I don't remember. So it wasn't in any kind of prominent position. If it was, um. But he was another one that wasn't at the United Center when CM Punk did his re- return. So that was another one. I was like, fuck, you know, I really wanted to see Jericho. And because uh, even if you like, ah, Jericho's past his prime. and uh, Yeah, fuck all of that. Because when you get into the arena, you want to see the stars. You know, I, I thought to myself, you know, when I woke up that day, I was like, who am I really excited to see? And Jericho was kind of top of my list because, you know, Punk wasn't going to be there and, and Brian wasn't going to be there and Adam Cole wasn't going to be there. Um, but uh, so I would say top of my list after that was Jericho, to be honest with you. And then right after that, it was Sting. I wanted to see Sting. And um, that's what I was excited to see. And those are the year established megastars. So it kind of. I guess that's how that works out. Jericho's over as fuck, at least for the entrance. You know, that the Judas song is a winner. Uh, I get why the crowd enjoys that. I've never actually been a part. I've never attended an AEW show that Jericho wrestled in. So I've never had the opportunity to sing Judas live. And that's why it happens. You'd think that that would get played out after a certain amount of time. But it doesn't because people want to do it. People like me that are at their first show that see it on TV all the time, you're dying to sing Judas. So I, I was. I was very excited. I was nudging my boy. I was like, Jack, oh, here we go. And I had every word, you know. Uh, and everybody around me, every word. The whole, every, is as far as I could tell, every single person in the arena was singing the goddamn song. I'm sure people were sitting it out, but like, Literally, it was it was all around me. It was down on the floor. You could hear it, and then people were going crazy. You know, as it picks up, the crowd's just fucking all over. I don't know what else to say. Like I'm smiling. I'm trying to put it into words, but there was a magic to it that I don't think. Whether you know you're a Jericho hater nowadays, or you're bored with Jericho, or the, you think the whole thing's gotten stale, it's just a little anecdotal from a live show as to why I think it's still over like that. Why everybody still sings it? Yeah, it's just so fun. Like the people were screaming, "What have I become now that I've betrayed?" You know, everybody's just just fucking screaming it like they're in it. They're singing their hearts out like they're in the shower or like in their car or something. It's so fun. And I, I get why that's a thing. So that was cool. Um, but after that, they were kind of booed. Um, their outfits were ridiculous. I remember looking at my buddy like, what the fuck are they wearing? He got a laugh out of it, too. He was cracking up. He thought that was good shit. And the suspenders and... Red was a strange choice just because you knew there was going to be blood. Usually you want the red, the blood to stand out. <coughs> That's not to say you wear white all the time either, but it was just a weird choice for a match that was going to have a lot of blood. Uh, then came the good guys. So, shit, who came out first? Uh... 
I think it was Eddie and Santana and Ortiz, wasn't it? They were the first to come out. And Eddie is another one that was super over. I'm talking, if you want to talk like top reactions of this entire show, right? Uh, just pure like, holy shit, we're here for this guy. It's going to be, well, we'll get to that to, at, at the end. We'll save that for the end because it's going to interrupt the, the, the rest of this experience here. But Eddie got a killer reaction. Eddie's over as fuck. He's a, he's a star. He's a mega star. Um, people just respect Eddie Kingston. I don't think anybody, even if he's, you're not, he's not a favorite of yours. I don't think, I don't think anybody could say any, could really, everybody's got respect for Eddie. Let's just put it that way. People respect Eddie Kingston. And it was, uh, the pop was for him because people were chanting Eddie, you know, people love proud and powerful too. And, you know, I certainly do, but the reaction was for Eddie, at least from everybody, you know, people were chanting Eddie's name. Um, me personally, even like, I was like, oh yeah, Eddie Kingston, fuck yeah. Um, I'd almost like, I knew he was going to be in the match, but he was just like out of mind until his music actually hit. And then I was just like, oh yes. So it was, it was cool. It was an organic reaction and the crowd ate him up too. And then, uh, Wheeler Yuta came out. Yuta had his fans. That wasn't wasn't the biggest reaction of the night, but it was still a big reaction, and he got a lot of chants. There was a lot of people like cheering for Yuta, and we want Yuta. Let's go Yuta! Like a lot of Yuta stuff going on, but it wasn't like the Eddie Kingston pop, you know. And uh, Jericho didn't get the pop necessarily, like when he came out, but the song he got the song. Everybody was there for the song. Um, but then you want to talk pop, pop of the night. And this is why I kind of stopped myself when I was about to kind of rank the pops with Eddie is because when Moxley came out, bro, I, Moxley, he's not as over with me as he seems to be with everybody else. I don't hate Moxley. He's just not like on my favorites. You know, I, I certainly appreciate Moxley respect Moxley. I don't mind Moxley, but he, to me, he's not like. I don't know that I'm going to run out and buy a ticket to see John Moxley defend the title. You know what I mean? I'll run out and buy a ticket for Punk. I'll buy a ticket for Blood and Guts. You know, even if I knew Punk, Punk was already hurt, I probably would, would have bought the ticket for Blood and Guts. But if this show was just like a show like it was the week before in Milwaukee, which was a damn good show. Damn good show. Um, a lot of good shit on that show, but it was just like an average show. You know, it was just a another good AEW show. Blood and Guts was an event. This was a pay-per-view quality um, show, you know. This was really a really big deal. So, uh, you know, I don't I don't think I would have bought a ticket for Moxley, but I would this Blood and Guts had me sold. So Moxley, but I would have been in the minority because the he was undoubtedly the biggest pop of the night. Moxley got the biggest reaction out of everybody. And there was a lot of good pops going on out there. Orange Cassidy got a really good pop. Um, FTR got a very good pop. Danhausen got a decent pop. Eddie Kingston got a major pop. But then it was taken to the next level. <laughs>
And he just, like, the crowd was just insane for him. And when he was walking around in the crowd and, like, working the crowd, and he just, he was a star. All eyes were on him, even though he's down with the people and, like, blending in. Like, you never lost track of Moxley because he's got that swagger and he carries himself. Plus, that belt, that fucking belt will blind your ass from the stands. Up in the fucking cheap seats, looking down, that fucking belt was bling, 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 bling in your face the whole time it was great it was amazing um yeah then the blood and got started so moxley major reaction and then the fucking war began and it started off a little slow and i will say this here's another complaint when you're sitting up at the top that the the roof on the cell actually blocks the view like it's not see-through it's uh, very, it's like a grate almost instead of like the fencing. It's like a grate of some kind. It's hard to explain. I'm sure you know, you know what I'm talking about. But it's like, uh, and, and they might have had a good couple good shots of it while they were on top of the case. You might know exactly what I'm talking about. I think it was made that way, obviously, not just to hold the cage, but to be very sturdy for people to be up there and not have to worry about McFoleying through the cage, right? Um, but it was so thick that it was like not see-through. There was a square in the middle that was see-through. Um, that looked like it was like built a little bit different. And then there was like a, a really wide border around that that was like almost solid metal. So you couldn't, couldn't really see through it. Or if you could, you could barely. And because I was on the far end of the arena, it was when they were in the first ring, like closest to the entrance ramp. I, I could barely see shit. But when they came on over into the second ring, now I could see through the side of the cage and I could pretty much see what was going on. Um, but at least in those situations, they have on the big screen, you know, they show you the um, what's going on in the ring, just like you see it on TV. <clears throat> but again, you don't pay to go see a live show to watch it on TV, you know, unless you're going to a movie, then that's a exactly what you do but regardless that's not why i was there <clears throat> so it started off slow uh sammy kind of did it was kind of cool when sammy did the like bounce he was like a fucking i don't know the weird shit he was doing in there uh, Cesaro got a pretty good pop, I guess. I, I forgot to mention Cesaro's entrance. He got a very good pop, too. It wasn't Moxley-sized pop, though, even so. You know, Cesaro got a very good pop, but it still wasn't a Moxley pop. Moxley was, like, it was a, just a different level. Um, and I apologize for leaving that out, because I'm sure there's tons of Claudio fans out there that are like, bro, you forgot Claudio. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. Um... But, yeah, he was in there kicking ass and just started off slow until a few of the other guys got in there. And then the gimmicks started to come out, right? Um, I don't remember the exact order, um, but I'm sure Moxley introduced him. He brought in the chair to start with. And then he had, Moxley had his fork. He forked the shit out of Daniel Garcia. That got a good reaction out of my buddy. He's just like, I stabbed him with a fork. Like, my my buddy, like, almost kind of cringed on that one. You know, that was a, that got him. Uh, fun fact, actually, not to put myself over, but, um, I actually have a scar on my head from being attacked 
by a fork in a professional wrestling ring. So at a at an indie show, I was like the commissioner guy, and the top bad guy was beating the bad guy faction was beating up the baby faces, and I came out to like try to take some control, and then I got attacked with the fork and bled and stuff. It was yeah. So forks, no joke. You can't play around with the forks. Got a scar to this to this day from them bitches. But anyway, Daniel Garcia was uh, forked open by Moxley. Then Moxley, I noticed this. I don't know how many. You have to be a deathmatch aficionado, otherwise you're probably just looking at like, what the fuck is Moxley have now? <laughs> he had these the. I guess they're, uh, are they skewers, like barbecue skewers that you put, like, for, like, um, I forgot the name of those things, the, uh, the things that you put on, uh, shish kebabs, right? Shish kebab sticks or something? I don't know. They're, like, barbecue skewers. They're, like, wooden spikes, basically. And on indie shows, Moxley, poor Matt Menard, dude, he got, he got him in the forehead, but Moxley was, like, trying to jam him <laughs> i don't know if you saw that he was like really pounding on him and then like they broke and it almost looked like moxley hurt his hand i think i saw him go like that a little bit like maybe one of them jabbed into his hand when they broke and then like i guess he just let him go and then menard was just bleeding but if you ever watch an indie show what those things are supposed to do You'll see it on YouTube if you go look it up. Like, um, like there's some real hardcore death matches where the skewers were brought up. So as soon as he had those, I was like, oh, God, I know what those are. But he didn't. it didn't work for some reason. What they're supposed to do is he stick them in his head. You can do it in the forehead. And then they stick. And you, like, you hold them like, all in one like thing, and they're all pointed. And somehow, somehow probably by just forcefully inserting multiple spikes into your forehead, face and head but then they're supposed to like poof they like the points stick in the head and then they kind of fan out so you got this like weird like spiky it, it, it can look cool but it's very brutal and poor matt menard i think just you know props for even attempting to take that because i don't think i would you know like a fork sure um a handful like 10 fucking wooden skewers eh it's a bit much for me i think <laughs> especially because they're that's why moxley broke them he was trying to jam them in because the idea is to get them in hard enough to where they stick out of the head and then they have that gross effect Ugh. And it was probably worse that they didn't stick he probably caused more damage probably splinters in menard's head and shit that one was a bit much. Moxley had another set in his back pocket. I don't know if he just put the sticks back in his back pocket or if he had another set, but uh, I saw he had them in his back pocket after that. So, uh, But he never busted them out again. He did, however, bust out some glass. That was another one that got a really sick reaction from the crowd. Everybody thought it was thumbtacks. You did too, watching TV, right? You know, the bag, and you're like, oh, here comes the thumbtacks. You know, I said to my buddy, yeah, it's the thumbtacks. And it was like, oh, nope, broken glass. <laughs> that was another one that people were really cringing about that one. Not in a bad way. It's just like it went that extra mile to like, oh, ooh, ew, oh, ouch. Um, it was just a couple pieces of glass. I've heard some people uh, uh, on some of the re reviews that I've listened to on YouTube already that were like, ah, the glass is a step too far. And maybe so. 
they're just a couple little pieces, and certainly like the pile driver on them, for example, that's not going to hurt anybody. Um, and then when Moxley took it, this really made the crowd cringe. It made me cringe. I was like, oh, yeah, this is too much. He took the glass, and he was like gagging people basically with it. I don't know that he was actually, you know, ever made any contact or anything like that, but just the idea of Moxley's a sick fuck. He's a sick, sick fuck. That's a that's that GCW shit. That's that Nick Gage type shit. You know what I mean? But uh, that was a brutal one that really got the crowd kind of gasping, and and almost a step too far. Not in like a bad too far. It's just that was the one that really got them. You know. Um, I guess Santana got hurt somewhere in here. That I did not see. From I, I am hearing that he got injured in the match. Something with a knee buckling. I didn't get to see any of that at all from where I was. Um, you did start to see the guys. I covered the, the spot where uh, the We the People spot with Hager and... Uh, and Claudio, that was really cool. That, that was a quite the moment for the crowd. And like I said, I'm a bit ashamed of myself for not catching on to that one. I can't believe I forgot, completely forgot about the uh, Real Americans. Um, but yeah, the crowd was all over that one. They were, they were loving it. So that was a really smart spot to build into the match, to, to allow those two to have that moment and uh, let the crowd react to that. That was really smart. <clears throat> They probably could have milked it a little bit. I felt like they went at each other a little quicker than, you know, uh, than need be. You know, they probably could have milked that a little further or acknowledged each other or something a little bit more. Um, but, yeah, you know, they went at it. It was a good little tease there. I'm, I'm sure I'm forgetting shit, but I'm getting close. To, you know, I'm over an hour now or close to an hour here on talking. Um so they worked their way to the top, and there's some, some really fun stuff going on with this. So if you're hanging in here with me, I'm, I'm appreciating that you do, because this live perspective stuff's the best. So I, so I already told you that I had kind of pinpointed that table. You might have even on camera. I don't know if they hit it or not, or if they did show it, and people on camera could clearly see, like, that's a weird-looking table. Um, but definitely, like, I saw it coming a mile away. It was just a matter of who... You know, and I, I was even unsure. Even after seeing that, I was like, oh, you know, you think we'll see anybody come off the top? My buddy's like, oh, yeah, somebody's going off the top of that. <laughs> and uh, when they were, they were up there, <clears throat> it was, uh, what, it was Jericho and Kingston, wasn't it, to, to uh, start with? And uh, uh, then Sammy got up there. And I kind of knew at that point that it was going to be Sammy's crazy ass that took that bump. And he did. And the crowd went as insane as you would expect. Or that you heard watching the show, you know, coming through the screen. There was a very strong, oh, my God. You know, it was it was perfect. You know, I did capture that on film, too, I believe. So. Holy shit! 
yeah, the crowd, it was, it was so cool, uh, to see that kind of bump, and that's, that's the spectacle of the blood and guts, you know, not only all the violence, the hardcore deathmatch type stuff, but also just the, the crazy bump, not to say everybody, somebody needs to come off the top of the cage in every single match, but it was, I appreciated being able to see it, and there's, uh, another thing, you know, is like, oh, why do these guys take all these crazy bumps all the time? And why, what's the need to always feel the need to do that? I, the need is that these guys are entertainers and performers. And they want that reaction from the crowd that we gave them. And when Sammy came off the top, he got the exact reaction that made him go, I want to come off the top of the cage. And look... You might say, like, why would you do that for just a, a pop from the, a cheap pop from the crowd? It wasn't a cheap pop. I don't think falling off the cage is a cheap pop. I think that's well earned, even though you know it's it's a gimmick for sure. But it, it, um, we as a crowd appreciated seeing that. Um, it's the just really the only way I can put that is like. Sammy put his body on the line to entertain the crowd, but we didn't just go, oh, there's another spot. You do when you're on TV, and I'll admit to that. You know, If I saw this on TV, I'd be like, oh, crazy Sammy doing a bump, but it's different for the live crowd. It just is. I don't, I, it, when you watch it on TV, it's like, it's, you know it's real, but it's, it's that separation of reality a little bit, and you're just like, oh, yeah, of course Sammy's, of course somebody's going off the top of the cage, and it's Sammy. Why wouldn't he? They do it all the damn time. Every show, is they put their bodies on the line, they do these stupid bumps. But just sitting, like, that was one of the, probably, that was probably the craziest, like, live action bump I've ever seen in real life. The only time I've ever seen somebody do, like, a, a big stunt like that. And the crowd, like, we we appreciate Sammy for doing that. You know what I mean? Like, the crowd really respected that. They were, they were gasping. They were, oh, my Godding. They were buzzing about it long after. So it wasn't just this spot that happened on TV. It was like, it affects you when you see it happen in real life. So it's I think that's why. You know, that reaction that they get from the crowd when they do that. It's it's different than what the nerds on the internet that listen to Jim Cornette and think everybody that doesn't do a headlock, drop down, tackle, takeover, fucking whatever the fuck, toe hold, twist, is a, is a spot monkey. And, and, and they can be to a certain extent, but I think just put yourself in the shoes of somebody attending a show live and how much you would appreciate that and how much like when you if you were to watch blood and guts live and somebody didn't come off the top of the cage and you were there you're like man that would have been cool if somebody came off the top of the cage right like you, you know you would so it's like you gotta give the people what they want um tony shivani got a good little pop a couple times too by the way <clears throat> So then that happened, and then, jeez, what else happened? Uh, Cesaro went up to the, Claudio went up to the top of the cage, and then uh, Matt Menard found his way up there, and then they did, like, the double submission thing. And I guess the story that they were telling on TV was that Claudio and Eddie were trying to outdo each other because they don't like each other. 
Um, that didn't play off to the arena. Like you can, all you saw was like the double submissions going on, and I was just kind of surprised to see the tap out. But here's where some of the fun stuff comes. They did the thing where everybody came up on top of the cage after to celebrate. And John Ma... Oh, no, 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 no. Nope, no, no. I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back because there was a spot that freaked me the fuck out. Oh, my God. So people were cringing over the glass, right? People were cringing over the bump off the top. No, no. Claudio's crazy fucking ass. This man is insane. He's insane. He, there was a spot where he was started running towards somebody up there. I, don't, I think it was Jericho, but he just full dash. And Claudio is a big beast of a man, right? He's probably the tallest guy in that match. Uh, maybe not, cause Hager, but uh, you know he's a big guy, strong guy, intimidating just to see that man running at you at full speed. But on top of the cage, like, I felt like I had anxiety for the people up there. Like, not just because I'm, I'm afraid of heights, but, like, seeing that man rush at me, like, I would immediately, like, feel like I'm going to get speared off of the cage. <laughs> like one of the old uh, uh, WWE uh, games where you could, remember the cage was always gimmicked so you go through it or through the side, but... I always used to, like, spear people off of the cage or, like, something crazy like that. But, and then when he did the giant swing, this is what got me. He did the big swing on Jericho, and he was nowhere near the center of the cage. As a matter of fact, from my perspective, if, as they were going around, Jericho's, like, head and hands we're probably over the edge of the cage. Literally all it would have took was Cesaro's feet to slip or his grip to slip. If there was somebody's boots were sweaty somehow, you're sweating through your boots. Your hands are sweaty. Now look, if if we're going to do a spot where I get a, I get swung around in circles on top of a 20-foot cage, Cesaro is going to be the guy I trust to do it, right? He's strong. He's a beast. He's a, he's strong as fuck, you know? If anybody's going to be able to hold on to your ass to do that, it's him. So I would, if I'm going to work up the nerve to do this spot, I'm going to trust Cesaro more than anybody else. Claudio more than anybody else. Um, but that... Yeah. That had me. That's where I was like cringing. That's where I was literally like, this is too much. That's too much. I was even I was yelling. I was like, that's too much. You're too close to the edge. Knock it off. Stop that. It's freaking out, dude. It was that that made me panic. Uh like big time panic. That was the one time I was really scared for somebody. But I, I guess I like I said, I just kind of put trust that Claudio is strong enough to handle it. But I was worried for Jericho, for sure. And not only that, but there was... You see guys running around, especially like Claudio was running. These other guys were being very gingerly up there, you know, with how they were moving around. Um, but what I was going to get at, Moxley went up there. You could physically see... I don't know if you saw it on camera, but Moxley's... This motherfucker's scared of heights. I don't know if he's ever said that, but you can see it. And him trying to go up. 
he was shaking his ass off the whole time to go up to the top. And then even after, like when they were doing the celebrations, he was the very last guy to leave. And he took forever to leave. You know, it was probably well off of air by then. But Moxley was up there. He, he, he spent a lot of time just sitting up there. And he started taking off his boots. And I didn't understand what was going on there. And my buddy told me he's probably got thumbtacks stuck in his boots from all the bajillion of thumbtacks I don't even remember talking about. Somehow we missed not, there was like, what, three, four bags of thumbtacks, not just one. So they covered the whole ring in thumbtacks, basically. But they were in the guy's boots. And it was in, I think, Jericho. I saw him playing with his boots or plucking things out, too, a little bit. Because that's dangerous. You're up there walking around. Now you don't have the grip and the texture of your of your boot, the soles of your boots anymore. Now you just got these rounded metal tacks. And that's dangerous for running around, walking around up on a fucking 20 foot. If it wasn't 20 feet, it looked every bit 20 feet. It was high. AEW's cages are very high. And that was a very tall, tall cage. Um... And Moxley was just scared shitless. It was funny. Everybody else had come down. Everybody else had left. Everybody else was on the ramp, like, celebrating, waving to the crowd. Moxley was still up there, and he's, like, holding on to the wire that, like, holds the corner of the cage. And you could see him. He's trying to figure out his footing. He's looking down. It was great. Poor Moxley should have never been on top of the cage to begin with. He was the most scared of heights up there. He was the most nervous to get down and it looks like it's fairly sturdy trussing like in the corners it's basically like a ladder you know that should be fairly sturdy as long as you got a good grip on everything but he was holding onto that wire clutching it and you could see him shaves it was so funny it was funny because he, everything was fine but that poor moxley had a rough night in the office that night he did <laughs> he was scared there um So that was blood and guts. We'll get into a little bit of rampage without the spoilers and just other little notes and tips if you like here. Um, <clears throat> Tony Khan came out immediately after that. <coughs> Might have even been while Moxley was still trying to find his way down. And he was his typical overly hyped. My buddy even asked, he's like, is that guy on coke for real? <laughs> like, the Probably, probably, because he, he was he was wild. He was freaking out. I, again, I couldn't hear a goddamn word he said. But I had, I've been, you know, he came out and did his little rah-rah. And you've seen him on YouTube. There's clips of it and stuff. Um, but he's done his little rah-rah speeches. He comes out and does them before the show and after the show or whatever. He did come out before the show, too. And it was just like, a, you know, we're happy to be in Detroit. It's our first time here. We're going to give you a good show, that kind of thing. Um, but he came out and he's just like, fuck yeah, Detroit. He's like, you guys are the greatest crowd or one of the greatest crowds. I heard him say that, you know, he was very, very clear. Like he was so appreciative and it was a little bit like he said the same kind of thing in Chicago too, but that was expect like maybe he does this in every town because he did do the same thing in Chicago, but he, he actually came out multiple times. He came out after that, like right after dynamite to just while out and then uh they spent a lot of time like cleaning up and decluttering the ring and everything like that and then before rampage was about to go live tony came out again 
And he was just like, again, I just really want to, like, he put over the crowd again. And that's why I'm saying maybe maybe he does this every show because he did do it at the Chicago show. But even then, I don't remember him coming out multiple times to say it. You know, he came out once to thank the crowd and say we were awesome in Chicago for punk. But, like, this guy, he, like, he came out again. He's like, I really mean it. Like, you guys are just such a great crowd. One of the best crowds we've had. He did definitely said those words, one of the best crowds we've had. And, then, you know, he could say that to all the ladies. You just say that to all the ladies. Um, but it felt real because he was very nerdy and eccentric and excited about it. And then he's just, he did say something. I heard him say uh, that he's, something to the effect of, he wants to come back with a pay-per-view, you know, like he was very, uh, hyped about how well it went here and that he feels that Detroit needs a pay-per-view. He said something to that effect. I didn't catch it all, but I definitely heard him say something to that effect. Then he can, he, so then he's just like, he's like, all right, well, we're going to go lot. We're going to, uh, start rampage soon he's like i'm gonna come back out right before then so literally like five minutes later they're ready to start rampage and he comes out again a third no this would have been the fourth time now that he he came out and this time it was just to hype up rampage let's go everybody you know and getting everybody all hyphy and then he promised um i actually recommend watching this rampage and here's why he uh came out and said that because Detroit was was such a good crowd, and because he, he explained he originally had, like, a, a six-man tag p- plan for Rampage or something, and then, you know, one of those people got hurt or something like that. So he's like, so what do I do? You know, what do I, I thought what I do. So he decided he wanted to do something special that he's never done before. And because they had the two rings there, uh, so similar to, like, remember the old two-ring battle royals? This was before World War Three and WCW. Like, even in the 70s and stuff, they would do, like, two-ring battle royals. So because they had the two rings there, he wanted to do a 20-man Royal Rampage. And it was a Royal Rumble format. And I won't spoil anything, but I do want to tell you a few things here. So you can just shut off now if you don't want to hear anything. Um, but I'm not going to ruin anything for you, but I'm going to hopefully just get you hyped, okay? So, because it was the two rings, it started, it was a Royal Rumble format, but instead of starting with two guys, they started with two guys in each ring. So, it started with four guys, two guys in this ring, two guys in that ring, and then every two minutes, another guy came out. And they loaded this with stars. That was another thing Tony said when he came out. He's like, we're going to give you, I'm going to give you all the stars can give you all the star power. The only thing he said is that he said that Sting, you know, maybe Sting's going to win it. And uh but Sting wasn't even in it. I was disappointed Sting came out uh cuz Darby Allen did appear. Um he was in the Battle Royal and Sting walked him out just to the like ramp and then he turned around and left. And that was the only Sting we saw the entire night. So I was very disappointed in that. Um, but at least I got to physically see Sting. I got to physically set eyes on Sting. Because he was at that Chicago show, too. Because him and Darby were up in the rafters. But I, from where I was sitting, when Punk returned, I couldn't see them up in the rafters. So all I could see was them on the big screen. So certainly in the same building as them on a show that they were on. But I couldn't physically see them with my eyes. And then I ducked out during the main event uh, of that one, which was like Moxley versus Daniel Garcia. 
to beat traffic, and I missed. Uh, they did like the after show things that Tony Khan does where he comes out with a couple of the wrestlers and apparently Sting was there. So he came out to like talk to the crowd and I missed that shit and that made me so sad. So I was excited to see Sting and all I fucking got was him walking Darby to the ring. But Darby was in this thing, uh, you know, just for star power. Hangman Page was in it. Um, God. Trying to think of who else might have been in there. But uh, you know who else was really over uh, the acclaimed? The acclaimed are really, really hot. Um, I didn't catch Max Caster's rap, but I know he mentioned something about a juggalo, Dan Housen being a juggalo, which was funny because ICP, the Insane Clown Posse, their fans are juggalos. They're from Detroit, so it was a Detroit reference to. Um, Plus, you know, if you know me from my show, I wrote a book about the gathering of the Juggalos. So, um, yeah, that was fun to see. You know, uh, they got some good uh, some good pops there. I'm trying to think of who else might have been in that Battle Royal. They did load it up. There were some pretty good names in there that made me excited. Um, where I felt like, you know, I felt like I got to see mostly everybody that I could. Like I said, there was no MJF. There was no um, <clears throat> Punk, no Brian Danielson, no Adam Cole, no Britt Baker. Um, uh, let's see. Ruby Soho made an appearance at some point in the night. Jade Cargill, also very over. She was on She was on Dynamite, wasn't she? I, did I, I skipped that match. She was on Dynamite. And Jade Cargill, uh, the crowd really likes her. She wasn't like amongst the biggest pops of the night, but the crowd really, really likes her. You know, they respect her. You can tell it wasn't like, oh, boo, popcorn match. You know, it was like, oh, yeah, Jade's my bitch. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, yeah, that was cool. I think, was that one? No, Ruby didn't come out during that. I don't know. Um, Thunder Rosa made an appearance at some point. Um, but, yeah. Uh, the Young Bucks match. The Young Bucks had their match, uh, their tag team match against the two Japanese guys. Um, I gotta tell you, I don't. I'm not familiar. I, I am very familiar usually with all the Japanese guys. Uh, and there was people behind me that seemed very hyped about the two Japanese guys, and I, I think I've heard one of their names, Hiromo Goto, Hiromi Goto. I'm familiar with his name, but I couldn't pick him out of a lineup or I couldn't say I was excited. But the people behind me were really, really excited about that. So, but that was the one match. Um, they fought. They they faced the Young Bucks, and and as was announced on Dynamite. So that part's not a spoiler. Um, but that was the one match that was kind of that pulled the crowd down. And I don't think it was their fault, because I was kind of talking to my buddy about that, you know, and he's just like, no, it was a fun match, you know, it was, it was a standard Young Bucks match, you know, you, every everything you would expect to see in a Young Bucks match, it was in that match, so it was good, and I was happy I got to see the Young Bucks, but it was just, like, after the Battle Royal, the ro basically a 20-man Royal Rumble in two rings is what we got to see, which, that's why I recommend you watch Rampage, for that exact reason, watch that Battle Royal, um, after that, you can skip it if you want, you know, um, but I would watch that because the Young Bucks, Young Bucks match was, a, was, was decent, but it was like after that, after the Battle Royal and after Blood and Guts, it's just like, ugh, 
You can't, how can you just have a normal tag team match now, you know? And then the main event was Nyla Rose versus um, Tony Storm. By this point, most of the crowd had left. There, nobody, like, well over half of the arena had left by the time Nyla Rose and Tony Storm were, they were like the last match of the night. You know, you could, could call it the main event. They're the main event of Rampage. Um, would, and they had a hell of a match. It was just, the, you know, the crowd wasn't there for it anymore. So, you know, the crowd might sound dead or, you know, you might see empty seats. That's why everybody just kind of ducked out at that point. Um, people stuck around for the Young Bucks match and then they left after that. Um, and then, so I'd kind of pitched to my buddy. I was like, all right, so depending on how tired you are, here's what we can do. Cause you know, I wasn't, didn't care to necessarily stick around for Nyla and, and Tony Storm either. No offense to either one of them though. I mean, both chicks put on an awesome match. It just, it was, it was a very good back and forth, uh, good fight, you know, but it was just. Ah, it's been a long, long night. At this point, we're at midnight, you know. So it's <laughs> from going in the building at six. You know, it's a six-hour show. It's like, all right, I'm ready to peace out here. Um, but it was. Uh, I asked him, you know, I was like, do you so we can leave now after this Young Bucks match, or um, if you want, I said I'm, I'm pretty sure Tony Khan always comes out with a couple of the wrestlers after the show to talk to the crowd. And he's like, yeah, let's do it. So we stuck, we hung out, and they did. Immediately after Rampage went off the air and the music stopped playing and stuff, it was, oh, even before this, I want to mention, you know how I said Tony Khan came out like three, four times to talk to the crowd, and right before Rampage, he came out the hype and said that he was going to do the Battle Royal. Um, but even as the music was playing, like, I, I, if you watch Rampage and that intro, you know, with the video package that plays during the intro, as that was playing, Tony Khan ran back out the tunnel and just did a, ah, ah, ah. he was jumping up and down and stuff, like, trying to get one last big, like, well, come on, everybody, let's go. Like, as, like, literally, if he wouldn't have got out of the way in, like, five seconds, the cameras would have fucking caught him as the pyro was going off for the show. So, yeah, and I appreciate that kind of energy. I really like Tony Khan. I really do. Uh, he's very quirky, he's very awkward, he's very weird and nerdy and dorky and, and strange, but uh, he's one of us, dude. He's a wrestling fan through and through, he's living his goddamn dream, and you can be a hater if you like, or you can just acknowledge that he's a weird guy with weird quirks that's new to the business, but respect him nonetheless and appreciate him for who he is. He came out and this, he has fun with his shit, man. He came out after the show immediately. So like, he didn't give you time to like, think that the show's over. You know, as soon as the music stopped, he came out, he had the microphone. He was like, thanked everybody again. He walked down to the ring and then he brought out Danhausen was one of the first people. And, uh, you know, I couldn't hear anything he was saying, but it's just a bullshit, like, after party, like, thanks, you know, it's almost like, uh, you come back out and do your second, like, curtain call type thing, you know, the, um, everybody just kind of comes out and takes a bow and thanks the crowd or just does more, a little bit more of a skit or something. So Danhausen came out, then Hook came out, which was dope, the crowd popped that was there, propped for Hook, and Hook just kind of looked around and he was just like, nodded his head and he's just like yeah it's pretty sweet and then he just kind of fist bumped Danhausen and Tony Khan 
and she turned around and walked back in the tunnel. So it was just, it was, it was amusing. It was very in character for Hook to just feel, yeah, yeah, okay, cool, all right. See what you guys got going on here. I'm just gonna, I'm leaving now. Peace. <laughs> um. Oh God, who else? Thunder Rosa stayed in there for the for the end, and Tony Storm stayed in there for the end. And uh, so I totally probably just spoiled you the ending for you. Um, uh, I know you were dying to see who was going to win that one anyway, right? Um, I think negative, negative one came out. That little brat was out there a few times. That little snot-nosed punk-ass punk kid. Um, I think that's all. I think that's all who came out to celebrate the end there. Uh, and they all just kind of said their piece on the microphone real quick, and and then that was it. That was the end of the show, and then we all left. So, uh, just you know, if I had to just kind of recap it here to sum it up, Moxley biggest pop of the night by far, like the next level pop. I wouldn't say like Road Warrior, maybe Road Warrior pop. I mean, if that's the highest level, um, I don't know if he was that level. I'll, t I'll put it like this. I was there for Punk's return. And that was by far the biggest reaction in the history of professional wrestling. Period. End of story. Don't care. Right? Nothing ever, ever, ever has topped the roar of that. Maybe. Very few. I know Triple H came back that one year in Madison Square Garden. He got a lot of hype. Moxley was louder than anybody had been the entire night before. Um, noticeably. So there was... Moxley by far. Um, then I, you got to give it to Eddie Kingston. You got to give it to um, FTR. And uh, yeah, I would say those were the top three reactions of the night. Honorable mention to Judas. Uh, it didn't, like I said, because it's not a pop per se, but it was certainly everybody in the building was participating to the level that they would be. Uh, cheering and going ape shit on a normal pop, pop, pop. And they were singing along for my, you know, the wild thing. That was part of it too. Maybe that's, maybe that is part of the act, you know, because Jericho gets the hype for Judas. You know, music is important and people were singing wild thing and going just, it was just wild. Um, Obviously, the craziest spot of the night was the uh, was was Sammy getting thrown off the top of the cage. Funniest part of the night was just walking, watching Moxley try to figure out how to climb down from the cage. He took his boots off. He, like he sat on top of the cage and was trying to unlace his entire. And if you've ever heard a wrestler say that the boots take a long ass time, like he. <laughs> It was good that they weren't on any time crunch to film Rampage, to like go live with Rampage, right? That they were able to just film it because Moxley spent considerable time on top of the cage trying to figure out his life and how to get the fuck down. Um, that was it, man. The crowd was hot. Detroit was in it, man. They were in the fucking house. They delivered. That was a wild, wild, wild show. Um, just as far as the enthusiasm, man, they held it as long as they could hold it. Kind of gave out once the Young Bucks had their match, but by that point, we had seen a full Dynamite, Dark, and Dynamite ended with a Blood and Guts. Then we got a fucking 20-man, two-ring Royal Rumble match with big stars. 
uh, Hobbs was in there. Keith Lee was in it. Um, Ricky Starks was in it. Like it was a very star-studded, you know, uh, you know, definitely all their top mid-card guys were in there for sure. Um, Brody King was in there. There was one spot. I'll, I'll spoil one spot. You made it all the way to the end of the battle royal. You just got to watch this Battle Royal. It's a fun Battle Royal. Uh, there was one spot where uh, that Brody King does. Uh, an elimination that Brody King does. That's fucking sick. And I've never seen it before. <laughs> and you just you have to see. Go out of your way to watch it. Even if it's just on YouTube or something. I normally skip Rampage. so. Um, but if you get the chance... Watch the Battle Royal, at the very least. And it was fun. It was a great time. One of the funnest wrestling shows I've been to. I don't think anything will ever beat Punk's return last summer. But, you know, and I went to a Royal Rumble at the Joe Louis Arena in Detroit. Um, the year that Randy Orton won that we talked about earlier. I was in Detroit, actually. And uh, I think that might have been a funner show than this. But maybe, and then maybe, like, my first... I remember my very, I went to, uh, my very first wrestling show ever was was a, a SmackDown slash ECW taping, and it was the go-home SmackDown before WrestleMania 23, so like Stone Cold came out as a surprise and did the stunner on JBL, JBL was out gonna like out-drink him or something, and Austin just stunnered his ass, um, that was dope, but like, get this coffee on the way but i would rank this up very highly i don't know maybe top three is probably fair um if not fourth i mean this was a very very good show to attend i highly recommend if you have the chance to go to an aew show it's it's a fucking blast dude their production quality other than just me not being able to hear the sound from where i was sitting their production quality is as on par as WWE's is. Like, when you go there, it looks like a WWE show, production-wise. You know, the whole set, the cameras, everything. It's indistinguishable, other than, like, the names on the banners, AEW, from a WWE show. So you're not going to feel like you're going to some second rate. Even my buddy, you know, like I said, he was kind of a casual fan. Even he was just like, um, you know, until I saw this with my own eyes, I still kind of thought of AEW as an indie fed. Even though he knows they're on TV, and even though he sees them on TV in arenas and stuff, like, he was impressed that they were in Little Caesars Arena, because he's a Red Wings fan and shit, you know? So he's like, this is this is big time. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, this, they're big time. So, highly recommend you go. You'll have such a blast the crowd is fun they make it fun the wrestlers really go out of their way to put on a good show uh tony khan is a madman and he he will come out and show that side of himself to you multiple times maybe uh just a great time so i'm gonna uh we're at about an hour and a half jesus christ thank you if you did listen all the way to the end i very much appreciate you listening to my live in-person review of blood and guts if you like that please like follow and subscribe at seth grimes media peace love and pizza check out my pro wrestling podcast podcast and uh we'll catch you on the next side peace